Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and this week I'm speaking to you from Austin, Texas. Hey there, listeners. This is Stephen G. Fullwood. I am the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I'm coming to you from Harlem, and it's a nice day out. Hey, I'm Seth Rodney, and I'm... Um, at least for now, the opinions editor at Hyperallergic. That was ominous. Uh, online <laughs> magazine. Yeah, we can get into that later. It's not bad news. Uh, okay. And I'm coming to you from sunny-ass Newburgh. Nice. Uh, this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to think about things out loud and together. Um, and we are going to, so, you know, in our kind of like wide ranging discussion of dystopias, you know, we've kind of taken it in a variety of directions. Um, you know, for a lot of us, uh, 2016 to 2020 was pretty dystopic, uh, for a variety mm. of reasons. Um, it's, it's some of, you know, some of it real, some of it imagined, um, as is often the case. Um, but, uh, I sent around an article that I uh, found from Glenn Greenwald. Glenn Greenwald had pu uh, published this on his Substack. Glenn Greenwald, if you don't know who he is, he's the reporter that helped break the Edward Snowden story and is definitely, he founded The Intercept along with uh, Edward Scahill, and he is definitely on the outs uh, of the media universe. So he was ostracized in 2016 because he didn't really buy into the Trump hysteria. Mm -hmm. So clearly not a supporter of Trump. This guy is about as progressive as they come, mm -hmm. uh, probably more so than Bernie Sanders uh, and his ilk, um, but really uh, didn't buy a lot of the criticisms and arguments about uh, Trump's sort of the worst versions of what the Trump administration represented and kind of saw it as a more business as usual uh, Republican candidate with, you know, just some awful rhetoric tacked on top. Mm. Now, that's an argument that we're not necessarily going to get into, and there are <laughs> counter arguments to be made about it. But that's where that's where Greenwald was coming from. Um, and this is what kind of pushed him outside. He really what pushed him out of the intercept was that he uh, essentially uh, insisted on running the Hunter Biden laptop story. And mm. his editors felt like it was basically shilling for the Trump administration. And Greenwald was like, no, this is just a legitimate news story that should be reported on. And that mm -hmm. led to a break with his with his old his old colleagues. So this is something of a an issue for him. So he has a vested interest in this topic, right? So that should be front loaded. Um, but Seth, can you remind me what the the since I don't have my my whole setup here, the writer's name for the the article? Right. So the article that we're discussing is on um, this Substack called Outside Voices, um, published by Glenn Greenwald. And uh, he describes the writer, whose name is Daryl Cooper, as someone who was a relatively, quote, a relatively obscure Twitter user with fewer than 7,000 followers. Um, and, and that actually made me feel a little bit small because I have fewer followers than that, but okay. <laughs> Let's not get into Relatively that right obscure. now. <laughs> no, no. Keep going. Posting You're fine. under the pseudonym <laughs> Martyr Maid. Um, his name's Daryl Cooper. Mm -hmm. Um, so I sent the article around. I sent, uh, Cooper's argument. This, I mean, this article apparently made it, I know from reading the, the, the Greenwald piece, apparently it made it onto Fox News. It made it all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, it was talked about a lot. 
uh, because they felt that it, it successfully articulated um, the attitude of people who are opposed to the media's narrative about everything. So at this mm-hmm, point, mm-hmm. right. So uh, um, let, let me just let me just emphasize that for the readers, please. Uh, it, the, in the article, in the second paragraph, uh, Greenwald says that night. Oh, right. So that night, Fox News host Tucker Carlson devoted mm-hmm. the seven-minute segment to doing nothing more than reading Cooper's uh, Twitter thread. And at the CPAC conference on Sunday, former President Donald Trump explicitly recommended the thread using Cooper's name, unquote. Yeah. So, you know, we don't have to get into the, all the particulars of the argument, but, you know, the, the, the thrust of it is this, um, that the media in 2016, or I guess 2017, went all in on a, the narrative of Russia being, or Trump being in the bag for, for Russia, like basically mm-hmm. a Manchurian style candidate for Vladimir Putin and breathlessly reported on this for uh, well over a year um, and chased the most ridiculous and absurd stories mm-hmm. based on nothing more than innuendo with no evidence. And at the end of the day, none of it turned out to be true. At the end of the day, Trump was it, it, after exhaustive federal investigation and every media bloodhound, you know, making any kind of salary at a major media outlet, chased every possible thread, and nothing came of it. He was not in the bag for Russia. He was elected by a bunch of angry Americans at the accepted status quo. And was the Russian government probably in favor of Donald Trump being uh, elected? Yeah, because he was a destabilizing force in the world, which would kind of usher America off center stage. So it certainly served their interests. But the idea that there was a vast conspiracy, like he goes into the Steele dossier, which apparently... You know, I honestly learned a number of things from reading this article that I ended up having to go and fact check myself to make sure that they were accurate. Um, and they are. Um, uh, a lot of, th- like, for example, I didn't know, uh, you know, I was under the impression that the, the Steele dossier had been started by, and I, we're not going to be too wonkish about it, but I, just as one example, I was under the impression that the Steele dossier was started by a Republican, uh, um, opposition firm. It was not. It was actually part of Hillary Clinton's political strategy in the election. It was a well. Sta- it was a well-known strategy internally that she was going to hang Russia around Trump's neck. Um, and so, mm-hmm. I mean, th- th- there's a very, very, very long list of things that he includes in this article. There are definitely problems with it. We're going to get into that. But what what I do think that he successfully conveys is the extreme lack of distrust that exists Mm -hmm. in one part of the American electorate around the media universe. And that that media universe did the very thing that everyone accused Trump of doing, which is gaslit the American people. The the reporters that stood up against the, the reporters that stood up against these stories, Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald, a few other people, were absolutely blackballed. They were driven out of the immediate, out of the media establishment. And all of their, the challenges that they offered against this reporting that, that were borne out to be true, there's been no reckoning of. No, no reckoning of like the bullshit reporting that, uh, Paul Manafort met with Julian Assange in the Ecuadorian embassy. That turned out to be not true at all. And 
story after story after story. So it seemed very plausible to me that for a certain portion of the electorate. Now there is a big hole, I think, mm-hmm. in his argument that I'm sure we're going to talk about. Um, and I and I've talked a lot, and I want to. I'm Stephen and Steph are making all kinds of faces at me, so I'm sure they're going to have <laughs> lots of stuff to say. So 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 anyway, uh, I uh, I appreciated the article because it forces the reader to take. Um, another part, a significant portion of the country seriously in in their feelings. Seth says no. So, okay, so go, 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 please. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm not saying no. I'm saying I was I was waving my hand like, eh, maybe, maybe not. There's a few problems with the article. Um, but but th- let me say this first. Part of my problem with having this entire discussion, and I think part of the problem with having this kind of discussion with someone like Daryl Cooper or Tucker Carlson is that one has to have done a lot of reading and fact-checking to show up in a really capable way to have mm. this discussion. Mm. Okay. So you're asking me to do a lot of homework. for mm. And for someone like me who's pretty damn busy, um, mm-hmm. that's, an, that's, a, that, you're asking a lot. Um, and then, and then I don't know what the, honestly, I don't know what the payoff is. Uh, mm. so, and, which is all to say, I think that part of the, part of the underlying issue with having conversations around mm-hmm. these very difficult and, um, heavily freighted, uh, issues is that in order to participate in them properly, mm-hmm. you actually mm-hmm. have to, you have to have done a lot of, mm-hmm. of, of digging. But uh, but shouldn't we do that if we're going to dismiss half the electric as racist? Shouldn't we get, put that? Shouldn't we put that work in if we're going to out of hand summarily bracket millions of people and and just sort of with with a simple gloss that they are ignorant, mouth breathing racists? Like, well, shouldn't yes, we do the yes, homework? Yes. Yeah, 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 yes, yes. I mean, it's if you yes, care. Yes, yeah. yes. I, what, what I'm, I guess what I'm getting at is that. What'd you say, Stephen? I said, if what you care. You like, like, what? We could, if you care, and then that's going to lead into something I'm going to talk about. But go ahead, Steph. Yeah, yeah I, I want to hear from you. But I, I, so, 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 my mm-hmm. problem is, what I'm getting at is, yes, we three can do that. And yes, we should. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the majority of the electorate, um, you know, wh- however they voted in the last presidential election, will. What will happen, and I think what, what this article kind of shows inadvertently, is that if you are surrounded by people who are like-minded, you will go to those sources. You will, you will actually do part of the work that you think you are doing is actually just being in conversation with like-minded folks who said, oh, did right. you read this? Did you read that? Did you read that? Right. And you, mm-hmm. are, you are already down the rabbit hole. You, you, you mm-hmm. think you're doing quote-unquote research. But you're actually not doing principal research. What you're doing is you're hanging out with your buddies and you're, and you're all sort of talking about the same things yes. that you're already familiar with. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, that seems fair. Yeah, that seems no, fair. I completely agree with both of what you said. I think that what I really appreciated about the article was the frustration I've had with the media for a while, long before 2016. I believe mm. that. I, I absolutely. So this believe isn't that. starting for in sure. 2016. The, I believe that. Yeah, it's yeah. just with this particular point is is that it's Donald Trump, and I was thinking about the the amount of research I'd have to do to verify some of these things. Exactly. Um, I was like, so okay, well, so I, what what I really wanted to start off with was similar to something that Seth said 
in terms of the payoff, the payoff for doing this kind of work is I think you become a much more engaged person with people, which is what Mm. I think the thrust of this article is trying to say, you can't summarily dismiss all these people because they do have legitimate concerns about Mm. the election, about the media, about feeling, um, about feeling, um, what do you call it? Hoodwinked, essentially. Mm. I get Mm. that. Um, I think it's interesting that the, I would have liked it a little bit more if there were a couple things going on. And one is saying that the left is the, the mainstream media is incorrect. <laughs> Agreed. That's the, one of the major things I had a problem with. I was going, no, this is the neoliberals. No, absolutely. It can, it's almost like if you believe that the left is I the media, like- then I've got some kente cloth to share with you. Mm, yeah and you can take a bow because that's that's not what it is at all this Mm. is a corporate interest this is big tech this is all these other interests no it's it's it looks like it's more liberal but we're still getting fucked too so it's not just some folks over in um in appalachia or the south or whatever who feel like they're being left out dude i mean there was a point where the, um, the article gets to a point where i'm like it says Trump supporters were led down some rabbit holes, but they're absolutely right in that the institutions and power centers of this country have been been monopolized by a regime that believes they are beneath representation and will observe no limits to prevent them from getting. I was like, that sounds like black people or sounds like Mm -hmm. poor people, poor Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. So let's think about that. So Mm -hmm. when we talk about listening to people, I'm like, okay, I won't demonize anybody, but it doesn't help it that the right and I, th- I thought about this this morning when it comes to Laura Ingram and Tucker Carlson and all these people who were really, really just given Simone Biles and those four capital, those capital um, officers, the business, you know, mm. about being actors and shilling for the left or whatever. I'm thinking they're cruel, but you're following these people too. You're listening to these people. So where's your, mm. I want to come to this conversation with some good faith, not that you just mm. have a feeling about something. So that's where the research comes in, but also that you are, not painting everybody else <laughs> the same way you feel like you're being painted, which is being dismissed. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, thank you for saying that. I couldn't agree more. I actually think you're absolutely right. It, one of the things that I thought about uh, when reading this is that, well, and I, ex- I specifically thought of you, Stephen is like, well, Stephen's going to have no problem with the argument that, you know, disenfranchised people are being fucked or poor people are being fucked or black people. Are yeah. being fucked. Like this is, this is, you know, this has probably been, you know, uh, a, a point you've been harping on for decades. Cause it's been mm-hmm. true for much longer than that. Right. So it's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so I think we can, um, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think your, your criticism about like why, you know, the, their media universe is also filled with a bunch of opportunists. And mm-hmm. Donald Trump was the ultimate opportunist. Like the, yes. the, the very idea that Trump cares about working class anyone is. Or, or cares is, about America. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 So Absolutely. I mean, but yeah, I mean, so is uh, jaw dropping to me. I still like even saying it out loud. I go, I just, I don't even know how to follow it up because it just seems so implausible to me. It's so, absurd. It's absurd. But truth is truth, right? So are we going to be distracted by the messenger? Or are we going to be distracted by the messenger? Yeah. Going to be distracted by the messenger. And that's the yeah, thing. Yeah. No, a repulsive yeah. figure like Donald Trump is repulsive to me, but he's telling the truth, but he is, but so, but, Oh, I thought you were actually making a different point, which was um, that he is a repulsive figure, 
but he was telling the truth mm-hmm. about certain things. I mean, that that's that's the thing is is about, what is what about, made about certain things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. No. In a very mm-hmm. certain. No. I, about not everything. Of course not. Mm-hmm. But but and, and that truth was exactly what you just pointed out, Stephen, which is the, the large scale disenfranchisement in corporate interests. Now, the only thing yeah. I would say about the left thing, which I think you're of course right, and I have to check myself with that sometimes because um, I am perpetually irritated that mm-hmm. the peer group that I identify with mm-hmm. is so drone-like in its opinions at this point. Um, and mm. so I sometimes re- my language doesn't reflect the proper nuance when, okay. t- when talking about it. You are absolutely right that corporatized media interests are not the left as, mm. as I would understand that, you know, kind of whatever that even means. I mean, sort of a collection of people with, um, you know, kind of more egalitarian interests or, you know, sort of commitments to justice that transcend, you know, power structures or something like that, traditional mm-hmm. power structures, whatever. So I, I, I agree with that. The only, the only, um, caveat I would add is that certainly mm-hmm. it seems to me the writers of the New York Times, producers at CNN, the writers at the Washington Post, um, have adopted the traditional the the rhetoric of what would have been considered traditional radical left wing politics absolutely mm-hmm. and and it has been adapt and has been adopted by corporate interests and mm-hmm. it is not Capitalism, been adopted but go ahead yeah 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 yes yes <laughs> everything's been sale. adopted to go ahead, yeah yes. it has been adopted yeah, yeah that's right it's been adopted to make money because it is a marketing mm-hmm. angle now the reporters themselves of course probably feel some sort of i don't think they're disingenuous it's not that i'm sure that they mm-hmm, feel some mm-hmm. allegiance to these opinions i'm sure they okay. feel that they're being righteous i don't you know I, I wouldn't impugn their individual character i don't know any of them but the way it the way it works out institutionally is that we are all trapped in the thing that, you know, some of us who were invested in critical theory for decades, you know, the idea of mm-hmm. the habitus and the idea of kind of a a familiar social space that regulates our opinions. Mm-hmm. Fu- think Foucault, you know, uh, think, you know, Perfe- Goodwin's professional vision, like the things that the, the names are not really important. The idea that there is a large-scale corporate narrative that mm-hmm. shapes our opinions is some, is a criticism we often leveled against the other side. But mm-hmm. people who identify traditionally with our politics are now inside of, of that apparatus. They are now inside of that institution. Well, it's, well it's, it's, more than, it's more than about shaping our opinions. It's about socializing us. To have yes, a absolutely. Yeah, set of values, which is which is when you say habitus, that comes from Bourdieu, and Bourdieu's whole uh, criticism of um, essentially of um, European culture is that mm-hmm. it um, it does precise it does precisely that through its institutions, and he looks specifically at museums as mm-hmm. this kind of socializing force, right? Um, uh, no, wait, that's not true. Early, early, no. his early work, no, distinction a, he doesn't yeah, 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 distinction and for the love of art. Uh, that's not true. The museums mm-hmm. aren't the mm-hmm. socializing force. What they, what they do is they euphemize away mm-hmm. um, the socialization that has already happened and made it, make it seem like it's, it's natural. 
Like right. it's mm-hmm. like that, that that these class distinctions are become naturalized to these to these institutions. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. So enough about that. And it produ- it produces the illusion of agency, is what it does. Is what it yeah. absolutely yeah. Well, does. that's 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 what mm-hmm. he would argue. Yes. And so yeah. you're you're saying these arguments used to be on the left. Now the people on the right are finally sort of sort of getting getting thrown into that stew, and they're getting slowly boiled to death. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. It's a bad analogy, but go ahead. So, <laughs> tell, tell, the tell boiled to death. I'm just going with the boiled to death thing. I just need to set that aside for a second. But I just want to go back to Travis and ask him the left mm. that are inside, who are these people other than uh, um, AOC or Bernie? Like deliberately lefty leftists. You know, you're talking about like incorporations, left people? Because I feel like I'm t- I'm, money I'm talking makes about you feel like. Oh, sorry. Kara Swisher, Kara Swisher for the New York Times, mm-hmm. uh, like Apoorva, I forget her first name, Manjuta Apoorva or whatever. The, mm-hmm. the list of, of reporters and media producers, most of whom are invisible to me, that mm-hmm. are producing a lockstep narrative about okay. everything in the last, you know, call it two years. That includes COVID, that includes mm-hmm. politics, that includes uh, BLM, that includes defund the police. All of these things mm-hmm. have one accepted interpretation in the major media outlets in this country currently. I'm dis- I'm going dis- to I'm going to disagree with you. I'm sorry. No, Travis. If, okay, if no, you please, at, please give if me. If you look at people like um like that ridiculous um uh 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 excuse for a journalist Chris Kaliza who has I don't know how many hundreds of thousands <laughs> of followers. Jack Tapper, uh Jim Acosta, Maggie Haberman uh, Haberman at um at um, Haber what? Haber, um, you don't think Jake? You don't think Jake uh, Tapper, Tapper has like a- absolutely like regurgitates or shapes uh, things around the rhetoric I just described? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe more so than the other guys. But but Jim Acosta I, I, too. No, like, no, Jim Acosta when he was when he was presented with the opportunity, whenever he's presented with the opportunity, he does that both sides thing all the time. No, when when and this was, is just not true. And no, I know I both sides thing is not true. Yeah, so no, I disagree. What, can, okay, you're gonna have to. Say, I mean, if you have time, you're gonna have to send me an example because yeah. the both sides thing it. just. It just isn't real anymore. There are no both sides anymore. No, no. When, there, it, yeah, I there recall, never were. I, but anyhow, no, yeah. <laughs> no, I recall when when this Trump administration uh-huh. um, took the video of him having the micro tra- having the the White House aide trying to take the microphone away from him, right? And yeah. they and they sped mm-hmm. it up to make it look like mm-hmm. he was being the aggressor, right? Yeah, and that whole I thing remember. blew up, right? And when he went on other networks or was uh, being uh, questioned about it by other um, um, other media outlets, he took the most anodyne, most bloodless uh, position possible. It was something like, well, um, I don't know why they did that. That didn't happen that way. Uh, we have to ask more questions about the Trump White House. Essentially, I mean, I, 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 how is that? How is that an example of what you're arguing? Well, I don't well, understand. Well, because because the I think the the right the the intellectual the position of intellectual integrity that would would have been to say, actually, no, there is a pattern of this administration lying to people and making out as if the press is an aggressive force that is um, out to get the common person. 
this is what they do, and this was an example of that. That would have been the proper answer, but he didn't mm, say anything so like that. I, I don't know that. Well, I don't want to. Stephen, you were about to say something. Were you saying you were going to jump in earlier? Oh no, actually, I wasn't going to jump in. I was think, thinking oh, okay. through a couple things related to this idea of both sideism. <laughs> and on the one hand, we're getting killed. On the other hand, they're the killers. You know, <laughs> that's funny. So, so I, I, you know, I, okay, so. I, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of yeah of, me, of me trying either. to yeah. no 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 mm-hmm. but I I, I do I, I hear what you're saying but even this like this this craving to like just call them liars like mm-hmm. it, it, we have to take a step back because mm-hmm. the all interested political parties, Shape mm-hmm. the narrative to their end and to their advantage. Absolutely. Now, now, Absolutely. Yes. now, when Trump pulls out a sharpie, that's a lie. That's a lie. When he pulls out a sharpie and says that this was, you know, that is him covering up a gaffe on his part. So that that Them act spe- was a lie. Speeding but, up the video he, is also a lie. That's a lie. Okay, so, it didn't oh, happen oh, that way. Oh no, no. Okay, so no, no. That's that's absolutely fair. The speeding, but but shaping media. To produce a particular opinion is happening all the time by True. our by our political associates mm-hmm. as well, or people that we would more easily identify with. It happens in every Agreed. single fucking story about COVID that is Agreed. still that is still happening. It is still going on. It has not slowed down. Now it turns and notice how they move the goalposts every time. So now, now vaccinated people are can carry and transmit the Delta variant just as easily as unvaccinated people. That's mm-hmm. the, the, them's the facts at this point, as far as we understand them. But mm-hmm. even- I, I didn't know that. Yeah, right. So, But even yesterday in the Times, the headlines would essentially suggest that unvaccinated people can transmit it more- but then if you read into the article, it explains that, in fact, the evidence shows that it seems like the Delta variant is as transmissible amongst the vaccinated as the unvaccinated. Now, that doesn't mean that the vaccines don't have some kind of efficacy around, yeah. you know, severe severe illness. It which, mitigates symptoms. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, well maybe. Mm-hmm. I just – so okay. Pfizer just released their six-month, like, hey, this is how we're doing report. And mm-hmm. in the placebo, the 22,000 – you know, participant placebo arm and the 23,000 plus participant to jab arm, there were 14 deaths versus 13 deaths, 14 mm-hmm. versus 13. In, mm-hmm. in Pfizer's, you can go in, I, anyone is interested, if we have any listeners that are irritated by that fact, I will be happy to show you Pfizer's mm-hmm. own released medical uh, statistics around this. The idea that, that, the, vac- that the mRNA vaccines prevent Serious illness and death has not been borne out yet by the evidence. It might be mm-hmm. once we have enough. Maybe it'll turn out that way. But the media misreports it every day and twice uh, on Sunday. And so there's, whew, okay. but 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 that's just one example. And the tr- what we started the conversation with was the Trump example. So the Russia mm-hmm. stuff. There's never been an accounting of that. No organization has gone. Hey. We fucked up. We shouldn't have chased these stories. But 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 I want to say my sense of the, and I and I haven't read enough about this. I, mm-hmm. I honestly have not gone down the rabbit holes to like chase up whether um, 
the well, I, yeah, because you I, know I, it's not really. I get it. It's no, not no, that. It's not yeah. on your radar right now. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah, and I, I just didn't. I just didn't have the bandwidth for it. But but let me say mm-hmm. this about about the, my sense of how that arc, that year or two, that well, according to Daryl Cooper, it's a two year arc of the media breathlessly re- uh, covering the. Um, um, the lead up to the Mueller investigation and the aftermath, la la. Yeah. A couple of things that, that he does not mention, which I think bear mentioning is the Trump administration absolutely stymied parts of that investigation by refusing to let people testify, mm-hmm. um, by ignoring congressional subpoenas. So, Part of, uh, part of what should, he should, should be in his estimation, but isn't in, which is what, part of what makes me doubt him, um, doubt his veracity and, um, to begin with, is he doesn't mention that. You have to talk about that. I don't know that you do, honestly, because if you, if you're on the def, if you know that the story is, is bullshit and you know that the other side is out for, for blood to find any, like, e- Everyone in this conversation, everyone you've ever met, if someone digs long enough, they'll find a federal crime and your ass could go to jail. Like there, there, there is, if people are looking for wrongdoing, they will find it. And so to me, I think it is, it, I think it is a, a fairly easy explanation to, to sort of, uh, just sort of let that play out amongst institutional dynamics, which is where the courts largely cited. Now, just so I want to, I want to throw something. I mean, we can go back to it, but I do want to throw something in because I don't, uh, I don't want it. It's I, I'm sensitive to you know, I, I'm sensitive to the 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 social realities. I don't want people to think that you know suddenly uh, my critical faculties against the other side have disappeared. I think m- from my point of view, one of the huge holes in his argument is that that Trump even got where he where he was in the first place, which is that the Russia Trump grabbed a significant part of that electorate long before Russia ever showed up on the radar. The the descending on the escalator, the immigrant the talk of immigrants, the 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 kind of the mean-spirited and xenophobic rhetoric long predated Trump's Russia stuff. And it was what mm-hmm. set the Republican electorate on fire. And and so he doesn't deal with that at all and that is an ugly thing and it is a thing that that there has to be some proper accounting for if we're really going to come to terms with what happened in 2016, and I don't think he even touches it. So. And and that's and that's part of my problem with what you said early on in the lead off to this conversation, mm. Travis, is that you said you know if we don't take this argument seriously, what we end up doing is de- is demeaning and and um, defining uh, the majority of the Trump electorate as these mouth breathing racists. Here's the thing. When the Capitol officers uh, just testified for the mm-hmm. Congress uh, on when yeah. was it? Like two days ago? Was, mm-hmm. yeah. Yesterday. Um, or oh, two days ago, sorry. Yeah. 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 What you heard was precisely that mouth breathing racism. What you heard was this nigger voted for, for Biden. Um, um, you know, Basically, people, if the, if, if they'd been given a, a longer time to get their anger together and they had the means at hand, do you not think that those men would have been lynched? Honestly. Uh, do you mean, okay, so I'd like to split your question apart. I'd like to answer it honestly and then I would like to add a caveat. Uh, okay. 
to answer your question honestly, no. I think those men were in real danger, and I think that the people that uh, that initially broke into the Capitol had violence on their mind and intended mm-hmm. to do violence. Absolutely. So no, 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 but to that. And we should not associate those men with the entire movement, just as we should not associate looters with the people that were protesting George Floyd. So Fair enough. The the Fair enough. the most extreme examples should not be used to paint the As brush the of examples. the entire body. Yeah, yeah. But that's so, precisely so. But yeah, 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 yeah. I do think those men. I think they wanted to. I think they would have hung that uh, those officers if they could have. I think they probably would have killed Nancy Pelosi if they could have. Yeah, these people for these, sure. Uh, these they they meant business for sure. For sure, but but I want to I want to point out it wasn't just. Hundreds of people. It was thousands of people who were there. I, so I know, but that also I think requires you know some sensitivity in the reporting. Like there's a difference between those people that initially burst into the Capitol, like that, and, and I, clearly there were thousands at the front of that, and the people that streamed through over the course of the day. Mm-hmm. The, the, the vast majority of those people looked like they were like strolling through a park. Like these were not the these were people that were just walking around the Capitol. That initial group of people the radicals at the front of that group or the people caught up in that moment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Because the other thing to remember is that people had broken out of the crowd to save some of these officers, like and carry them away from the assaults that were happening. So it's a mixed bag. It's certainly a black day. It's, it's definitely, um, it's something to take seriously. I don't agree. So this is an, you know, uh, Greenwald and others of his ilk, have dismissed one six and said, you know, too much is being made of it. I do not agree with them at all. Um, I think uh, it was a really big deal. Um, but again, thousands, I mean, how many people, how many nights and weeks were, uh, uh, were riots and uh, violence and vandalism happening in Portland? That doesn't, uh, th- clearly thousands of people were engaged with that. In, in Minneapolis, the same thing. Like, I I want to afford the people that were out there to protest and object to the the long form and continuing marginalization of black Americans. I want to I don't want I don't want to paint all those people as if they're just like, you know, upset looters that want to get TVs. They mm-hmm. weren't. They're pissed because, you know, they get racially profiled and they get, you know, they, their economic t- opportunities are not the same. And so mm-hmm. do, does some element of that group, mm-hmm. you know, use it as an opportunity to wreck violence and no, havoc? Absolutely. Yes, it absolutely does. Today's podcast was split into two parts. You've just listened to part one of two. Uh, we hope you'll join us next week for our continuing discussion. As always, thanks very much for listening. 